Section two of the Angels of Mons by Arthur Macon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Bowman. It was during the retreat of the eighty thousand, and the authority of the censorship is sufficient excuse for not being more explicit. But it was on the most awful day of that awful time, on the day when ruin and disaster came so near that their shadow fell over London far away and without any certain news the hearts of men failed within them and grew faint as if the agony of the army in the battlefield had entered into their souls on this dreadful day then when three hundred thousand men in arms with all their artillery swelled like a flood against the little english company there was one point above all other points in our battle line that was for a time in awful danger not merely of defeat but of utter annihilation with the permission of the censorship and of the military expert this corner may perhaps be described as a salient and if this angle were crushed and broken then the english force as a whole would be shattered the allied left would be turned and sedan would inevitably follow all the morning the german guns had thundered and shrieked against this corner and against the thousand or so of men who held it the men joked at the shells and found funny names for them and had bets about them and greeted them with scraps of music-hall songs but the shells came on and burst and tore good englishmen limb from limb and tore brother from brother and as the heat of the day increased so did the fury of that terrific cannonade there was no help it seemed the english artillery was good but there was not nearly enough of it it was being steadily battered into scrap iron there comes a moment in a storm at sea when people say to one another it is at its worst it can blow no harder and then there is a blast ten times more fierce than any before it so it was in these british trenches there were no stouter hearts in the whole world than the hearts of these men but even they were appalled as this seven times heated hell of the german cannonade fell upon them and overwhelmed them and destroyed them and at this very moment they saw from their trenches that a tremendous host was moving against their lines five hundred of the thousand remained and as far as they could see the german infantry was pressing on against them column upon column a grey world of men ten thousand of them as it appeared afterwards there was no hope at all they shook hands some of them one man improvised a new version of the battle song goodbye goodbye to tipperary ending with and we shan't get there and they all went on firing steadily the officers pointed out that such an opportunity for high-class fancy shooting might never occur again the germans dropped line after line the tipperary humorist asked what price sydney street and the few machine guns did their best but everybody knew it was of no use the dead grey bodies lay in companies and battalions as others came on and on and on and they swarmed and stirred and advanced from beyond and beyond world without end amen said one of the british soldiers with some irrelevance as he took aim and fired and then he remembered he says he cannot think why or wherefore a queer vegetarian restaurant in london where he had once or twice eaten eccentric dishes of cutlets made of lentils and nuts that pretended to be steak on all the plates in this restaurant there was printed a figure of st george in blue with the motto 
ad sit anglis sanctus georgius may st george be a present help to the english this soldier happened to know latin and other useless things and now as he fired at his man in the grey advancing mass three hundred yards away he uttered the pious vegetarian motto he went on firing to the end and at last bill on his right had to clout him cheerfully over the head to make him stop pointing out as he did so that the king's ammunition cost money and was not lightly to be wasted in drilling funny patterns into dead germans for as the latin scholar uttered his invocation he felt something between a shudder and an electric shock pass through his body the roar of the battle died down in his ears to a gentle murmur instead of it he says he heard a great voice and a shout louder than a thunder peal crying awry 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 his heart grew hot as a burning coal it grew cold as ice within him as it seemed to him that a tumult of voices answered to his summons he heard or seemed to hear thousands shouting st george st george ah messire ah sweet saint grant us good deliverance st george for merry england harrow harrow monseigneur st george succor us ha st george ha st george a long bow and a strong bow heaven's night aid us and as the soldier heard these voices he saw before him beyond the trench a long line of shapes with a shining about them they were like men who drew the bow and with another shout their cloud of arrows flew singing and tingling through the air towards the german hosts the other men in the trench were firing all the while they had no hope but they aimed just as if they had been shooting at bisley suddenly one of them lifted up his voice in the plainest english god help us he bellowed to the man next to him but we're bloomin marvels look at those grey gentlemen look at them do you see them they're not goin down in dozens nor in hundreds it's thousands it is look look there's a regiment gone while i'm talkin to you shut it the other soldier bellowed taking aim what are you gassing about but he gulped with astonishment even as he spoke for indeed the grey men were falling by the thousands the english could hear the guttural scream of german officers the crackle of their revolvers as they shot the reluctant and still line after line crashed to the earth all the while the latin-bred soldier heard the cry harro harro monseigneur dear saint quick to our aid saint george help us high chevalier defend us the singing arrows fled so swift and thick that they darkened the air the heathen horde melted from before them more machine-guns bill yelled to tom don't hear them tom yelled back but thank god anyway they've got it in the neck in fact there were ten thousand dead german soldiers left before that salient of the english army and consequently there was no sedan in germany a country ruled by scientific principles the great general staff decided that the contemptible english must have employed shells containing an unknown gas of a poisonous nature as no wounds were discernible on the bodies of the dead german soldiers but the man who knew what nuts tasted like when they called themselves steak knew also that st george had brought his agincourt bowmen to help the english the soldiers rest 
the soldier with the ugly wound in the head opened his eyes at last and looked about him with an air of pleasant satisfaction he still felt drowsy and dazed with some fierce experience through which he had passed but so far he could not recollect much about it but an agreeable glow began to steal about his heart such a glow as comes to people who have been in a tight place and have come through it better than they had expected in its mildest form this set of emotions may be observed in passengers who have crossed the channel on a windy day without being sick they triumph a little internally and are suffused with vague kindly feelings the wounded soldier was somewhat of this disposition as he opened his eyes pulled himself together and looked about him he felt a sense of delicious ease and repose in bones that had been racked and weary and deep in the heart that had so lately been tormented there was an assurance of comfort of the battle won the thundering roaring waves were past he had entered into the haven of calm waters after fatigues and terrors that as yet he could not recollect he seemed now to be resting in the easiest of all easy chairs in a dim low room in the hearth there was a glint of fire and a blue sweet-scented puff of wood smoke a great black oak beam roughly hewn crossed the ceiling through the leaded panes of the windows he saw a rich glow of sunlight green lawns and against the deepest and most radiant of all blue skies the wonderful far-lifted towers of a vast gothic cathedral mystic rich with imagery good lord he murmured to himself i didn't know they had such places in france it's just like wells and it might be the other day when i was going past the swan just as it might be past that window and asked the ostler what time it was and he says what time why summer time and there outside it looks like summer that would last forever if this was an inn they ought to call it the soldier's rest he dozed off again and when he opened his eyes once more a kindly-looking man in some sort of black robe was standing by him it's all right now isn't it he said speaking in good english yes thank you sir as right as can be i hope to be back again soon well well but how did you come here where did you get that he pointed to the wound on the soldier's forehead the soldier put up his hand up to his brow and looked dazed and puzzled well sir he said at last it was like this to begin at the beginning you know how we came over in august and there we were in the thick of it as you might say in a day or two an awful time it was and i don't know how i got through it alive my best friend was killed dead beside me as we lay in the trenches by cambrai i think it was then things got a little quieter for a bit and i was quartered in a village for the best part of a week she was a very nice lady where i was and she treated me proper with the best of everything her husband he was fighting but she had the nicest little boy i ever knew a little fellow of five or six it might be and we got on splendid the amount of their lingo that kid taught me we oui, we oui, and bong swat and kamang vu padi we and all and i taught him english you should have heard that nipper say arfamo olden it was a treat then one day we got surprised there was about a dozen of us in the village and two or three hundred germans came down on us early one morning they got us no help for it before we could shoot well there we were 
they tied our hands behind our backs and smacked our faces and kicked us a bit and we were lined up opposite the house where i'd been staying and then that poor little chap broke away from his mother and he run out and saw one of the boches as we call them fetch me one over the jaw with his clenched fist oh dear oh dear he might have done it a dozen times if only that little child hadn't seen him he had a poor bit of a toy i'd bought him at the village shop a toy gun it was and out he came running as i say crying out something in french like bad man bad man don't hurt my english or i shoot you and he pointed that gun at the german soldier the german he took his bayonet and he drove it right through the poor little chap's throat the soldier's face worked and twitched and twisted itself into a sort of grin and he sat grinding his teeth and staring at the man in the black robe he was silent for a little and then he found his voice and the oaths rolled terrible thundering from him as he cursed that murderous wretch and bade him go down and burn forever in hell and the tears were raining down his face and they choked him at last i beg your pardon sir i'm sure he said especially you being a minister of some kind i suppose but i can't help it he was such a dear little man the man in black murmured something to himself pretiosa in conspectu domini mors innocentium ius dear in the sight of the lord is the death of his innocence then he put a hand very gently on the soldier's shoulder never mind said he i've seen some service in my time myself but what about that wound oh that that's nothing but i'll tell you how i got it it was just like this the germans had us fair as i tell you and they shut us up in a barn in the village just flung us on the ground and left us to starve seemingly they barred up the big door of the barn and put a sentry there and thought we were all right there were sort of slits like very narrow windows in one of the walls and on the second day it was i was looking out of these slits down the street and i could see those german devils were up to mischief they were planting their machine-guns everywhere handy where an ordinary man coming up the street would never see them but i see them and i see the infantry lining up behind the garden walls then i had a sort of notion of what was coming and presently sure enough i could hear some of our chaps singing hello 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 in the distance and i says to myself not this time so i looked about me and i found a hole under the wall a kind of a drain i should think it was and i found i could just squeeze through and i got out and crept round and away i goes running down the street yelling for all i was worth just as our chaps were getting round the corner at the bottom bang bang went the guns behind me and in front of me and on each side of me and then bash something hit me on the head and over i went i don't remember anything more till i woke up here just now the soldier lay back in his chair and closed his eyes for a moment when he opened them he saw that there were other people in the room besides the minister in the black robes one was a man in a big black cloak he had a grim old face and a great beaky nose he shook the soldier by the hand by god sir he said you're a credit to the british army you're a damn fine soldier and a good man and by god i'm proud to shake hands with you and then someone came out of the shadow someone in queer clothes such as the soldier had seen worn by the heralds when he had been on duty at the opening of parliament by the king now by corpus domini this man said 
of all knights ye be noblest and gentlest and ye be of fairest report and now ye be a brother of the noblest brotherhood that ever was since this world's beginning since ye have yielded dear life for your friend's sake the soldier did not understand what the man was saying to him there were others too in strange dresses who came and spoke to him some spoke in what sounded like french he could not make it out but he knew that they all spoke kindly and praised him what does it all mean he said to the minister what are they talking about they don't think i'd let down my pals drink this said the minister and he handed the soldier a great silver cup brimming with wine the soldier took a deep draught and in that moment all his sorrows passed from him what is it he asked Van nouveau du royaume said the minister new wine of the kingdom you call it and then he bent down and murmured in the soldier's ear what said the wounded man the place they used to tell us about in sunday school with such drink and such joy his voice was hushed for as he looked at the minister the fashion of his vesture was changed the black robe seemed to melt away from him he was all in armour if armour be made of starlight of the rose of dawn and of sunset fires and he lifted up a great sword of flame full in the midst his cross of red triumphant michael brandished and trampled the apostate's pride the monstrance then it fell out in the sacring of the mass that right as the priest heaved up the host there came a beam redder than any rose and smote upon it and then it was changed bodily into the shape and fashion of a child having his arms stretched forth as he had been nailed upon the tree old romance so far things were going very well indeed the night was thick and black and cloudy and the german force had come three-quarters of their way or more without an alarm there was no challenge from the english lines and indeed the english were being kept busy by a high shell-fire on their front this had been the german plan and it was coming off admirably nobody thought that there was any danger on the left and so the prussians writhing on their stomachs over the ploughed field were drawing nearer and nearer to the wood once there they could establish themselves comfortably and securely during what remained of the night and at dawn the english left would be hopelessly enfiladed and there would be another of those movements which people who really understand military matters call readjustments of our line the noise made by the men creeping and crawling over the fields was drowned by the cannonade from the english side as well as the german on the english centre and right things were indeed very brisk the big guns were thundering and shrieking and roaring the machine guns were keeping up the very devil's racket the flares and illuminating shells were as good as the crystal palace in the old days as the soldiers said to one another all this had been thought of and thought out on the other side the german force was beautifully organized the men who crept nearer and nearer to the wood carried quite a number of machine guns in bits on their backs others of them had small bags full of sand yet others big bags that were empty when the wood was reached the sand from the small bags was to be emptied into the big bags the machine-gun parts were to be put together the guns mounted behind the sandbag redoubt and then as major von und zu pleasantly observed 
the english pigs shall to gehenna fire quickly come the major was so well pleased with the way things had gone that he permitted himself a very low and guttural chuckle in another ten minutes success would be assured he half turned his head round to whisper a caution about some detail of the sandbag business to the big sergeant major karl heinz who was crawling just behind him at that instant karl heinz leapt into the air with a scream that rent through the night and through all the roaring of the artillery he cried in a terrible voice the glory of the lord and plunged and pitched forward stone dead they said that his face as he stood up there and cried aloud was as if it had been seen through a sheet of flame they were one or two out of the few who got back to the german lines most of the prussians stayed in the ploughed field karl heinz's scream had frozen the blood of the english soldiers but it had also ruined the major's plans he and his men caught all unready clumsy with the burdens that they carried were shot to pieces hardly a score of them returned the rest of the force were attended to by an english burying party according to custom the dead men were searched before they were buried and some singular relics of the campaign were found upon them but nothing so singular as karl heinz's diary he had been keeping it for some time it began with entries about bread and sausage and the ordinary incidents of the trenches here and there karl wrote about an old grandfather and a big china pipe and pine woods and roast goose then the diarist seemed to get fidgety about his health thus april seventeen annoyed for some days by murmuring sounds in my head i trust i shall not become deaf like my departed uncle christopher april twenty the noise in my head grows worse it is a humming sound it distracts me twice i have failed to hear the captain and have been reprimanded april twenty two so bad is my head that i go to see the doctor he speaks of tinnitus and gives me an inhaling apparatus that shall reach he says the middle ear april twenty five the apparatus is of no use the sound has now become like the booming of a great church bell it reminds me of the bell at st lombard on that terrible day of last august april twenty six i could swear that it is the bell of st lombard that i hear all the time they rang it as the procession came out of the church the man's writing at first firm enough begins to straggle unevenly over the page at this point the entries show that he became convinced that he heard the bell of st lombard's church ringing though as he knew better than most men there had been no bell and no church at st lombard's since the summer of nineteen fourteen there was no village either the whole place was a rubbish heap then the unfortunate karl heinz was beset with other troubles my too i fear i am becoming ill to-day joseph kleist who is next to me in the trench asked me why i jerked my head to the right so constantly i told him to hold his tongue but this shows that i am noticed i keep fancying that there is something white just beyond the range of my sight on the right hand my three this whiteness is now quite clear and in front of me all this day it has slowly passed before me i asked joseph kleist if he saw a piece of newspaper just beyond the trench he stared at me solemnly he is a stupid fool and said there is no paper my four 
it looks like a white robe there was a strong smell of incense today in the trench no one seemed to notice it there is decidedly a white robe and i think i can see feet passing very slowly before me at this moment while i write there is no space here for continuous extracts from karl heinz's diary but to condense with severity it would seem that he slowly gathered about himself a complete set of sensory hallucinations first the auditory hallucination of the sound of a bell which the doctor called tinnitus then a patch of white growing into a white robe then the smell of incense at last he lived in two worlds he saw his trench and the level before it and the english lines he talked with his comrades and obeyed orders though with a certain difficulty but he also heard the deep boom of st lambart's bell and saw continually advancing toward him a white procession of little children led by a boy who was swinging a censer there is one extraordinary entry but in august those children carried no lilies now they have lilies in their hands why should they have lilies it is interesting to note the transition over the borderline after may second there is no reference in the diary to bodily illness with two notable exceptions up to and including that date the sergeant knows that he is suffering from illusions after that he accepts his hallucinations as actualities the man who cannot see what he sees and hear what he hears is a fool so he writes i ask who is singing ave maria stella that blockhead friedrich schumacher raises his crest and answers insolently that no one sings since singing is strictly forbidden for the present a few days before the disastrous night expedition the last figure in the procession appeared to those sick eyes the old priest now comes in his golden robe the two boys holding each side of it he is looking just as he did when he died save that when he walked in st lambart there was no shining round his head but this is illusion and contrary to reason since no one has a shining about his head i must take some medicine note here that karl heinz absolutely accepts the appearance of the martyred priest of st lambart as actual while he thinks that the halo must be an illusion and so he reverts again to his physical condition the priest held up both his hands the diary states as if there was something between them but there is a sort of cloud or dimness over this object whatever it may be my poor aunt kate suffered much from her eyes in her old age one can guess what the priest of st lambart carried in his hands when he and the little children went out into the hot sunlight to implore mercy while the great resounding bell of st lambart boomed over the plain karl heinz knew what happened then they said that it was he who killed the old priest and helped to crucify the little child against the church door the baby was only three years old he died calling piteously for mummy and daddy and those who will may guess what karl heinz saw when the mist cleared from before the monstrance in the priest's hands then he shrieked and died End of section two.